Welcome to the best things in life podcast with Kevin Hamoki. And welcome to the Best Things in Life podcast with me, Kevin Hamoki. Today I'm going to be talking about the best Christopher Nolan film. Uh, but before we do, I want to say thank you for uh, checking this podcast out. If this is your first time, uh, the way this podcast works is that I pick a subject matter of any, 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 any random subject. And I try to determine what is the best of that uh, given uh, subject, whether it be the best coffee, whether it be the best song whether it be the best tires i mean uh the possibilities are endless infinite um but yeah today i'm going to be talking about the best christopher nolan film uh if uh but if you made it this far if you're a returning subscriber thank you uh you guys are the real mvps and if you're new to this channel if you could do me the great uh favor of uh just hitting the subscribe button maybe a like and if you're really cool um, possibly even share hashtag, uh, the best things in life pod, uh, you know, and let me know, you know, go on iTunes and go on all that stuff and let me know how I'm doing. Uh, or if, if, you know, if this is your first time and you know, maybe you don't, you don't give your likes, uh, that easily, uh, stick to the end and I might have something for you. And, uh, maybe, maybe you can reward me then with, uh, a social media, like follow or subscribe. So anyways, today, the best Christopher Nolan film. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Christopher Nolan is possibly one of the best directors we have in cinema today. Uh, recently, he released a movie called Tenant, uh, which uh, I actually went to go watch a couple of days ago, and it was it had it's the first movie I've been to since this whole pandemic uh, shutdown. It's the first time I've been in a theater, and you know what? I like it. I, I like how things are. I mean, I went I, w I went on a Saturday night at like 10 p.m. and there was like maybe 10 people. Now there there were there were multiple viewings, multiple uh, actual theaters had it, uh, but uh, yeah, like there were 10 people and I had like the best damn seats front and center, which are my favorite, and I liked it. Now the only thing is, obviously, the question is, can the uh, movie theater business survive with a business model like that. I don't know. And I hope they find a way. I mean, here's the thing. Personally, I am a, a, a movie fanatic. I enjoy uh, the cinema. That's how you know the difference between a casual viewer and a pro. Pros refer to movies as the cinema. And I enjoy the cinema and film. You know, I am not a casual Netflix and chill kind of guy. Although... I have been known to uh, Netflix and chill at the same time, if you know what I mean. I don't know what I mean. But anyways, yeah, I, uh, Christopher Nolan, one of the best directors we have in the business. He's he's had a very long, distinguished career. All his movies uh, are top tier. You know, he's never really had any. I mean, you know, I mean, you can say duds or so. I mean, his duds can make can 
make somebody else's duds look like he's just a really good director. Okay, that, that that's that, that's the best thing. And his movies are very complex. Uh, his last one uh, definitely did a mind fuck on me. Um, but yeah. So uh, I guess I guess the way. So a lot of people, you know, they, 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 if you're new to this, they're, they're you're probably wondering how are you going to decide? Who are you to decide what is the best Nolan film? How do you know? How do you know anything? And I'm going to answer you with, I don't. I absolutely don't know anything. I barely know how to speak, and I'm doing a podcast. But if 2020 has ta- has taught me anything, it's that, uh, you know, follow your dreams. Do your best and uh, live free and die hard. Okay? Uh, maybe not die hard, but... You know, like like uh, here's here's the thing. Um, I'm not a pro, but you know, I have access to a thing called the internet. I have time on my hands. I read. I can read things, and you know, I, I like to research stuff, right? Put my time and effort to that. And I've also realized that you know, life is short, and why why bother with uh, you know the average, the uh, the uh, middle of the road kind of stuff when you can actually have the best, when you can know what the best is. You know, it's nice to, to, to know, oh, I, I drive the best car or I live in the best neighborhood. And, and obviously that is all subjective to you as a personal thing. But sometimes there's 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 obvious there, there's obvious uh, outlines when it comes to being the best. You know, uh, like when it comes to like, you know, who the best guy is in sports is it's obviously going to be the guy who's had more accolades, who's had who who plays better. Right. And there's there's obvious things, you know, thing that, that, that you can judge by. Right. So that, that's what I go with. And that's how I'm going to be judging uh, today's category, which is film and specifically Christopher Nolan uh, films. Uh, so the way I'm going to be judging uh, Christopher Nolan movies, uh, the breakdown is uh, obviously obviously the, the, the ratings and reviews uh, his films have gotten. Now, uh, I particularly prefer to use. IMBD ratings as opposed to Rotten Tomatoes or others. I find Rotten Tomatoes to be a very uh, biased. Uh, I mean, like when they first came out, and you know the fresh meter, you know it was pretty cool and all that stuff. I I find I find their site and, and articles to be a little bit more uh, engaging, but I do I have noticed a bit of a bias when it comes to I uh, am uh, uh, sorry Rotten Tomatoes. You know, they, 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 they do tend to be a bit more um, Marvel fanboys as opposed to DC. But hey, you know, I'm not I'm not there to judge. But I do find that IMBD, uh, I don't know, again, who runs it or what, what the, the sources are, but they, they tend to be fairly, fairly neutral. Right. You know, they, they, there's no there's no there's no. There's no loyalties when it comes to them. They just see a good movie and they give it a good rating out of 10. Right. So I'm going to be using IMBD ratings. Obviously, you know, that's a mixture of actual film critiques who know more about film. And then obviously other other just general people who've given it marks as well. You know, uh, another another uh, marker, uh, if you will, to judge a film in terms of how well it is, uh, how successful it has done is by box office. You know, uh, at the end of the day, the, the film industry is a business. It's the business of dreams and magic and and uh, uh, pulling you away from the harsh realities of the world. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But 
Um, no, it's a business, right? And at the end of the day, dollar dollar bills, yo, dollar bills uh, dictate how well a movie has done. Now, d- d- now, dollar bills don't necessarily mean that the movie is is um, you know critically amazing. There's a lot of movies that have made a lot of money just because of names alone, right? I mean, like. You know, you, you like look at all those Disney films, right? I mean, the, well, the Disney films are really good. I'm not going to, you know, but like, I mean, if you're going to compare, like, say, you know, Frozen or Frozen 2, which is a good movie, but you're going to compare it to like the critical acclaim of like a movie like The Godfather, right? You know, Frozen 2, I think, kicked its ass, right? Because I mean, markets. But anyways, that that's that's going to be another uh, that's going to be another. A marker of how I'm going to be picking the best, you know, box office. And then uh, lastly, which I, I guess is a part of, uh, goes in with the rating system too, but at the same time, it's going to be the awards and the accolades a film receives. At the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a professional critique. I'm just a guy in a car uh, talking into a mic in a parking lot, you know, and who knows what might happen? There's been many times where I've been in a parking lot and then some random person will uh, come up to me and uh, be like, you know what? So, OK, for those that don't know, uh, I drive a, an 09 Mustang. It's it's a black. It's a, you know, it, it's a V6. I'm not going to go, you know, it, it it just gets the job done. But I like I like it because, you know, it makes a little noise and uh, it's a little flashy ish. Uh, but you know, I've gotten compliments and here's the thing, I bought the car when I was in my, okay, maybe four or five years ago. So I wasn't really that young, but I've bought the car cause I was like, you know, I wanted to drive a nice car, got a little bit of ego in me and was like, ah, uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe chicks might like the ride. Right. Well, guess what? Um, yeah, chicks don't, don't care. They don't care. I, all the compliments I've gotten about my car have been from guys. Uh, and, and, a, and a particular set of guy too. I mean, I had a gay guy who said I look cute and the car. So maybe there's something there, but, um, no, I, it's, it's a particular dude that, you know, like, like, like a bro dude kind of that, like, but like, not like a, another alpha, like Vin Diesel type kind of dude. It's more of like the nerdy kind of like, oh man, maybe I can be like that one day. That That's usually the kind of guy that likes my car. But anyways, that that being said, yeah, anybody could uh, drive up to me right now and uh, interrupt me while I'm doing this podcast in the public, because that's another thing. I play things on the edge, and nothing is more dangerous in the world than doing a podca- podcast in a public parking lot. Shit can go down. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm a frontline podcaster. I don't know what I'm talking about. I hope uh, I hope you're you're enjoying yourself on this uh, on this uh, listen with me. Um, but yeah, let's get let's get into the Nolan films. Let, let's let's start breaking down his movies. So, like I said, we're going to be using ratings, box office, and awards, and then we're going to be using you know technical. You know, there's certain there's certain things like an X factor. I always like to bring in like that makes his films a little bit uh, more recognizable. One one of the things with a, with a Nolan film is he, the, the the man doesn't know what the word linear means. You know, he oft all, often all his movies jump like they'll usually start mid film, jump back, 
then move forward. Or sometimes there'll be like three or four consecutive lines of time going through and all that stuff. Nolan is a very big fan of using time as a, as a theme in his movies and using, you know, nonlinear storylines, right? You know, most movies start with a beginning, a middle and an end, right? He's, he has beginning, middles and ends, but in the time space of those movies, they're usually not linear, you know? So he has a very particular uh, taste for that and presenting it really well. And there's been some movies where they, 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 they've just been confusing as fuck. Uh, I'll admit Tenant uh, was a little confusing as fuck. And, and that's another thing with his movies. It might take a couple of times to watch, to fully understand the movie and to fully get. And you know what? Nowadays with, with the internet and all that stuff, you could watch his movie and then go watch a YouTube video of how the endings are explained and how the movie's explained. But dude, man, I think it's, 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 uh, I think it's more rewarding when you try to figure it out yourself and come to your own conclusions. You know, like, did that guy really die? Oh no. He's a good, like, what do you call Sixth Sense? Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Sixth Sense with, uh, with fucking, uh, Bruce Willis, M. Night Shyamalan movie. And, uh, yeah, yeah, his movies are also collude, uh, convoluted as well. But uh, yeah, you know, like, like there's there's certain things where you might have to go it over it a couple times so that you can pick up on the signs, so that when you get to the end, you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, he was a ghost, and the boy, I still don't know if the boy's a ghost or not, or maybe he just sees dead people. Anyways, Christopher Nolan. Uh, so let's go through his movies. I'm going to be going in chronological order. So the movies that they came out and by chronological, I mean like real world chronological, not Nolan chronological. Oops. Uh, like I'm going to be going into films that, that he released. Um, you know, for, uh, I'm not going to be uh, just, uh, I'll do the honorable mention now. His first uh, debut film was called the following. And, um, that was kind of like an indie, an indie film. It did play. I saw, I didn't watch the whole movie, but I watched a bit of it. And then I also watched somebody explain the whole plot of it is it's basically just about a guy that just likes following people and deals with a bit of a theme like that. It is nonlinear as well, but uh, it's an interesting film, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be starting with his first movie, uh, which uh, really put him on the map. A lot of indie boy films, indie, indie guys love this film. It is uh, memento which came out in 2000, 20 years ago. Fuck, that is a long while. Speaking about time, did you know that um, Macaulay Culkin, the Home Alone kid, is now 40? Yeah, how old do you feel now? How old How old are you now? I don't know. Or, or maybe, you know what, maybe you're too young and you don't even be like, who is Macaulay Culkin? Well, ladies and gentlemen, he's the... He's the uh, He's our, he's our, he's our marker of time. Wherever Macaulay Culkin goes, you're either going to be too young or too old. And he's 40 today and I'm old. So anyways, Memento, a movie about a man. So, okay. I'm going to be basically telling the plots of these movies and spoiling shit, except for Tenant. I'm not going to be spoiling Tenant, but I will be spoiling these other movies because if you haven't seen them, uh, you should. 
here's the thing. I'll give you, I, I usually give people a one year grace period. If you haven't seen the film in one calendar year of its release, then you either don't like the film or you're not into movies or you're just a, a hermit. So, and then if you, if that's the case, why are you even here? I don't know. But anyways, Memento, it basically deals with a man who uh, ha- lost, well, his wife got killed and then he suffered a, a very unique type of ad- amnesia where he can't remember what happens. I think that's generally how amnesia works. But long story short, he, he ends up tattooing himself and sending messages him to, to himself uh, because he's trying to find the ki- trying to find the killer. Uh, of his wife and the movie d- like starts actually with the it actually starts with the end and he actually kills somebody and then the movie explains why he killed him right so the movie starts off with like the end really and then kind of just doubles backs to the beginning and slowly builds and then it kind of does this time forward time forward time forward uh reversey uh kind of thing but eventually near the end, you find out why he killed the guy. And then you find out who the killer is, you know, and, and all that stuff. And then you find the loopholes and blah, 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 blah. But it was it was a, it's a very intriguing. Here's the thing with a Nolan film. You you cannot. Be one of these casual viewers where you have your phone out, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're eating a sandwich. You have to be 100 percent engaged with a Nolan film, because if you. Go to the washroom for even just a second. You'll come back and then the guy will be like in 1925. And you're like, what the fuck? How did that movie? How did that happen? This this movie takes place in 2001. Right. So it's like it's like. It's, it's, it's it, you got to be you got to pay attention. Right. So anyways, uh, Memento. Um, it, yeah, it dealt, it, it's a very, you know, it's a very complicated movie dealing with uh, uh, time and all that stuff. Uh, IMBD gave the movie an 8.4 out of 10, you know, a decent score, especially for his uh, first blockbuster, I guess you could say film Um, box office wise uh, worldwide. It did pretty well. It did uh, 39, 39. 39.7 million dollars. You know, that's nothing with numbers. Three, nine, seven, two, three, oh, nine, six, thirty nine million dollars worldwide box office. You know, I prefer to use worldwide numbers as opposed to domestic only because, you know, I mean, just because a movie bombs here and does well, like in China, then, you know, it, it still does well. Uh, and then in terms of uh, awards, uh, it, it did win a couple of uh, like other like I don't know if it was Sundance or it, it, it did win a couple of other indie film. But I'm going to be using mainly Oscars because they're there again, the top tier echelon when it comes to awards that's kind of like the the pinnacle they're the best awards i guess in terms of film uh so uh memento was nominated for uh had two nominations one for best screenplay and one for film editing uh he didn't win but you know for his early film being nominated that is an honor so yeah man uh, uh memento is, is 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 one of his uh it really showcased it was written by by uh, Nolan and I think his brother Jonathan as well. I'm not too sure, but but uh, yeah, Nolan Nolan writes his stuff because at the end of the day, it's in his brain, and you know, good luck understanding that. But yeah, Memento eight point four did pretty well. Um, his early movie. Then uh, we're gonna jump into his next film, which 
Uh, I want to say it was his film that, like, you know, he kind of did for a studio because after the success, he probably got hired by these guys because they were like, oh, man, bring your magic to it. But the film overall, it wasn't written by him. It was written by somebody else. The movie I'm talking about is Insomnia in 2002. Uh, that, that's starring uh, Al Pacino as this uh, kind of sleep. So basically, it stars Al Pacino as this cop from L.A., a dirty cop, you could say, from L.A. who's sent up to Alaska to to, to basically uh, figure out the murder of a girl, right? And then you kind of soon find out later that uh, Robin Williams, the late and great uh, Robin Williams, uh, is the killer, right? Uh, and and it, it, seeing Robin Williams as a killer was really interesting because, you know, you know him as a goofy, weird-out guy, but, uh, yeah, as, as a killer, if you want to see him, is one-hour photo, that's another one. But yeah, it starred uh, Al Pacino and uh, uh, Robin Williams, and also a very hot Swiller, Hillary Swank, who's like the rookie cop in that movie. And uh, it basically deals with like yeah, like like him, uh, Al Pacino just not being able to sleep because he goes to Alaska, and also the guilt of his past crimes and all that shit, too. And you know, near the end of the movie, you know, he he, he gets the bad guy, but you know, kind of kind of bites the dust as well you know but uh the the movie it, it is a more linear storyline but it does deal with the past of of, of uh, al pacino's character you know uh imbd gave the movie a 7.2 and uh it made 113 million dollars uh yeah 113 uh yeah 113 113 million dollars uh yeah 113 million dollars worldwide uh awards it didn't get any it just it just uh i think what happened was i mean it's an over like it's an overall it's just your basic crime drama right and obviously good performances but there was nothing really special i know it was based uh the the original story was uh taken from like a swedish film and whatever and adapt adapted but christopher nolan i mean obviously you know he did a working movie uh, I, I i would i would probably put an insomnia as and this is not even like it would be one of his lower films it's not the best but i'm I'm just adding it here because to mention it you know you gotta mention insomnia because you gotta you gotta you know from a director you gotta know their their worst and even his worst isn't that bad you know like i've seen some directors do movies like herbie the love bug two or that one with Lindsay lohan yeah but anyways uh the next movie which i i i personally like love the quotes of from this movie um christian bale's in it so you know it's going to be good crit uh hans zimmer it's, it's also the first time that uh nolan filmed them with uh music composer hans zimmer and if you don't know hans zimmer he's pretty much done like all those epic films, you know, he's that guy behind that music. He's done, you know, Nolan films. I think he did the Days of Thunder as well. I think he did Gladiator, but he does epic shit. And this is the first time that Nolan. Uh, oh, it's also the first time where he teamed up with Michael Caine. The movie I'm talking about is Batman Begins in 2005. And yeah, it's with Christian Bale as Batman. Uh, Alf, uh, Michael Caine as as uh alfred pennysworth and then you got rachel uh goddamn 
Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, who played Rachel in that movie. Um, but yeah, it's the first time that you had the, the 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 beginning mixtures of a really good formula of Christopher Nolan as a director. Uh, you had uh, you had um, Hans Zimmer doing the music, Christian Bale and Michael Caine. I mean, those two guys are top tier when it comes to acting. And then I think it was written by David S. Goyer, who's done a lot of like superhero and dark films and stuff like that. But long story short, Batman Begins. I mean, it's the name. The name is in itself. It's about Batman beginning, and it's an, it, it's it is the best right now as it stands. Because I mean, I, I know there's a new the Batman movie coming out, but in terms of a Batman origin story, it is the most. It is the best Batman origin story. You know, it's also the most grounded. Uh, superhero film out there it's the you know for the longest while a lot of people including myself thought that you know what if i just had a little bit of money and if i just had a little bit of more child trauma i could be batman you know and i have child trauma i had a dog die when i was really young and i have a little bit of money don't have a lot of money and i don't want to convert my mustang into a batmobile but Christopher Nolan's film basically convinced me that I could maybe be Batman. I just I just need to get in way better shape and learn like like you know five or six martial arts, uh, develop a really good pain tolerance, and um, yeah, that that's that's what Christopher Nolan's Batman movie really was. It was a, it was about grounding it and making a real presentation of Batman, and I loved it. And uh, IMBD gave it an 8.2 and ended up making uh, in the box office was $373 million worldwide, you know, and it also uh, had an uh, Oscar, one Oscar nomination of best achievement in cinematography. And Christian Bale also won uh, MTV's uh, best hero, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, the movie, the movie set precedents in terms of superhero movies. I mean, up until that point, again, Marvel wasn't as big. Iron Man hadn't come out yet. DC, uh, Marvel wasn't doing shit. And the last real superhero movies was maybe Batman, uh, forever. No, Batman and Robin. Right. So it was, it was, it was a weird, uh. It was a weird time, but Batman Begins kind of set the marker of creating a realistically deep characters. And uh, yeah, possibly and it is the best Batman origin story film. So the uh, next film, which also stars Christian Bale and only a year later, Christian Bale and uh, Michael, I think, yeah, Michael Caine, too. And Hugh Jackman. The movie is The Prestige in 2006. Uh yeah, The Prestige came out, and it basically involves uh, Christian Bale and, so Batman, and Hugh Jackman, a.k.a. The Wolverine. Uh, they're both magicians in the uh, late 1900s, or early, no, early 1900s, late 1800s, that time period, right, right you know, top hats and shit. And David Bowie is uh, Nicholas Tesla, who's like this uh, scientist slash maybe even a real magician. I don't know history that well. Uh, but long story short, it's about a rivalry between these two magicians. And they, they have this move that they call the prestige. Uh, or no, no. It's, it, it, basically, they have this trick where they teleport. Like one guy. So here, uh, yeah, spoiler. But basically, 
uh, Christian Bale has a twin brother and that he uses him to do this trick. But then Hugh Jackman digs deeper and goes to Nikola's Tesla to like uh, use uh, science and and uh, stuff to clone himself and create a double. But he also kills them in the end. You know, spoiler on that, too. Um, but yeah, the movie's about the rivalry of, of, of them. And, you know, there's women involved and love and all that stuff and children and, you know, death and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a very compelling story and a very well-performed movie. I, I believe, I honestly believe that The Prestige was one of his uh, most underrated movies only because at the time you had Batman, like Nolan was really dug in with the whole Batman universe. So people were like, just do Batman, just do Batman. But in the meanwhile, he was pumping out, he pumped out this really great film. You know, and IMBD gave that one uh, an 8.5 out of 10. And the box office, I mean, again, for, for not a superhero movie, it did $109 million. You know, and it had uh, two Oscar nominations, you know, Best Cinematography and Best Art Direction. You know, oh, yeah, Scar Scarlett Johansson was in that as well, too. So the movie was really well done. It, it's it's a really good movie and it's a mystery. And you know what? I'm sorry if you haven't seen it and I just spoiled it for you, but... I did say, here's the thing. If I say spoiler and you haven't seen the movie, this is where you stop the podcast, go and watch the movie, then come back and then watch me horribly explain that movie to you. You know, because even, even when I spoil a movie, I'm not going to give you all the, 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 the fine details uh, of, of, of the things, even though I tell you if someone's going to die, right? But you can assume most, most people die in the end of a good movie. Right. If you don't die at the end of a movie, I mean, is it even a movie? You know, or maybe I don't know. Anyways, let's go into one of his. And you know what? This is going to be one of the contenders of the best in terms of his films. Uh, and this is, a, you know, if, if you know Nolan and you're probably screaming it, it came out in 2008. I'm talking about the follow up to Batman Begins. I am talking about the great and powerful The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, uh, which, you know, basically brought everything together, you know, that, that was good about the first film. Hans Zimmer, Christian Bale, Michael Caine, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal replaced uh, that other girl. And then Heath Ledger, his performance. His take on what the character, the Joker is. Now, at this time, we obviously didn't see Joaquim, right? But you know what? You When it comes to Joaquim's Joker versus Heath's Joker, I don't think it's fair. They they both had different properties. They both had, you know, I mean, Joaquim had an entire film to carry, whereas Heath Ledger just basically had to do his part in an already great film. So there's, in my book, they're 1A, 1B, right? Depending on the day, depending on the setting, you can say who's A and B, but they're both top tier. But anyways, The Dark Knight uh, in 2008, I mean, the film is just, you know, it's a sophomore Batman, right? And, you know, he's trying to quit. And then you got, yeah, you got, uh, what do you call, uh, Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face, you know? And this is where it, pluses and minuses. But yes, I think, I think you know, his Two-Face was, again, because of, of Nolan trying to ground the universe... He did what he could with 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 uh, Aaron Eckert, right? And I I think his his two face was really well done, but I felt like, you know, because it was grounded, he couldn't get too crazy, right? But anyways, the movie was great. 
It's one of his best ones. I mean, IMBD gave that a nine, a nine out of ten. And box office wise, it uh, it, it blew it, it blows everything. It's at uh, one billion, a, a billion. I think it's again. I'm not good at reading all numbers, but it's one zero zero four nine three four zero three three. And worldwide box office, you know, a billion dollar movie, The Dark Knight. And in terms of awards, it had eight Oscar nominations and two wins. Uh, the, the the two wins, it's it's also the first time that, yeah, his, his film had won, actually won uh, Oscars. And it's, uh, oh no, sorry, Oscar nomination. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's the first time that he actually won an Oscar. Uh, his film won an Oscar. And it was uh, Best Supporting Actor, which went to Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, so here's the thing with Heath, if you didn't know, but he ended up dying uh, just before the film released. Uh, part and part with drugs. I mean, people say that the role kind of pushed him there, right? You know, like because he was a method kind of actor, you know. But I mean, yeah, he he went too soon. He was a good actor and just on the edge, you know. But yeah, he he ended up winning a lot post post humorous. Is that what they call it? Post after he died, he won these awards for best supporting actor. I think he won a Golden Globe as well. And then he also they also won best sound editing. Richard King. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's nothing, the audibles and the visuals of a Christopher Nolan films, I think in the dark night really come into play. Like, like the, the, the sound, the music, the acting, the score, you know, the music, it all flowed very well in this movie and it really showcased, uh, Nolan's grand. Cause here's another thing I think, uh, in Batman begins, Nolan really wasn't great. I'll, he wasn't great at action sequences. You know, the, the, the cameras were very wishy-washy and like, you know, it, it was shaky cam kind of action, which I mean, I guess because, you know, maybe he didn't want to show everything with Batman. But in the Dark Knight, you could tell the action was a little bit more technical. You could see things happen. Right. And all that stuff. So, yeah, I think I think Nolan was was definitely at, at his best in the Dark Knight in 2008. Uh, then uh, comes. The first film that uh, not only did he write, but also direct as well. Uh, and his first time with Leo DiCaprio. Hopefully it's not the last. Uh, but uh, the top movie that I'm talking about is Inception in 2010. Uh, yeah, th- this movie was the first film to like, up until this point, I mean, you know, there was a bit of mis- mystery, intrigue and the prestige, but this is the first film that was a, total mind fuck the first time i saw it and it took multiple viewings to make sense out of it um but yeah inception basically deals with like uh uh, leo dicaprio is this guy who 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 is has access to this technology that can go into people's dreams and create layers upon layers upon layers of dreams and and so that they can and he uses this with a group of his buddies to steal espionage uh, or corporate corporate secrets, right? Or s- just basically, he he has the ability to go into people's dreams and either make you think things or or steal secrets, right? That that you only know because your dreams are where you keep them, right? Um, yeah, J- Jordan Gordon Levitt's in it. Uh, Ken Watanabe, Michael Caine, Ellen Page. It's just star-studded, and it's also uh, oh oh yeah, Tom Hardy. Isn't it as well? It's a great movie, and it deals with like the the the, the dreams. 
and the layers of a dream and like, you know, the consequences of dreaming and reality. And, you know, you didn't know if you were watching a scene in reality or if it was a dream. Great score as well. Um, I, I think I think it, it, it really just, you know, just just goes to show and it jumps with, with time as well. Like the first layer had to deal with, like, I think it was a week. And then the next layer was like, or was it? No, the first layer was a day. And then it was a month. Long story short, it's it's just a very complicated film about dreams and and stuff like that. But he explained it really well. You know, he created this world. I I, I want to say this was like Nolan's attempt at like a, a Matrix universe, right? Like creating that type. You know, I I could definitely see a sequel if they wanted to, but uh, I don't know. But yeah, IMBD gave it an eight point eight. Uh, box office, it ended up doing about. $830 million worldwide, you know, almost a bill, uh, and awards. It, it, uh, also got, uh, eight nominations and ended up getting four wins. It won for best cinematography, best sound editing, best sound mixing, you know, and then best visual effects. Yeah. The film, the film visually is just crazy. Cause like, you know, the set designs, there's, there's, there's a scene where like, you know, they're fighting in a, hallway but the hallway is spinning kind of kind of kind of uh an homage to uh 2001 space odyssey stanley kubrick right where it's like it's like you know the action's happening and then you don't know what's like you don't know how they shot it but it was similar to that style um i think i think inception is 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 a a really great marriage between christopher nolan's uh create creativity because he obviously wrote it and and his his direction like like this was you could tell this was a film that he always wanted to probably do you know and yeah i mean inception the, the long longest time after that I, I was having dreams wondering if th- those were real you know and whether whether or not or not uh yeah i don't know i don't even know if this is reality this could be a dream right now you know just me sitting talking in a parking lot Anyways, the next film, which is the trilogy end of the the Batman movies by Christopher Nolan, uh, that is The Dark Knight Rises in 2012. Um, Now, this movie part and part changed because after Heath Ledger's death, I think the original plan was, you know, if Heath didn't die, he would have definitely been in this movie. Um, but yeah, this movie did change things, you know, uh, it also, I, I also felt like this movie also exposed the flaws of having Batman in a reality based world, you know, cause like, cause listen, if you know the Batman lore and Batman characters, there's, there's fucking aliens, there's fucking killer crocs, there's, 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 there's superheroes, there's other Whatever Batman, Batman deals with the Justice League and the world building of that, and I, I felt like that could never happen in what Nolan's verse. I call it the I think they call it the Nolan verse. In Nolan's Batman, none of that other stuff existed. You couldn't have a flying Superman, right? All that stuff. So I felt I felt the kind of Nolan kind of backed himself into a corner of like fuck. We got to keep it reality based. So that's why when he he introduced the character of Bane, played by Tom Hardy. Um, it, it was a little, 
confusing. I mean, look, Tom Hardy's possibly one of the best actors we have right now. He's in terms of character work, but Bane, like, I mean, he put on a lot of muscle for it too, but I mean, the guy wore a mask, spoke in like a weird Germany kind of like, Oh, you can't understand me because I am Bane. Like, like it, it, it was, it was very weird, but I mean, the overall, the movie did, you know, it, 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 it dealt with a very good, you know, Batman, Basically, near the end of his game, end of his days, obviously having the loss that he had in the second film and kind of like being beat down and then coming back up, the rise, right? And everybody likes to see a guy come back from the from being beaten down, right? And, you know, that that was, that, that was, yeah, you had, uh, what you called, uh, what's your name? Uh, Catwoman, played by Anne Hathaway, who was really hot in it, and, and she was really good. You know, a, a good Catwoman again, grounded, but also a little bit of feisty in her, right? You know, so I think I think the film for 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 for, for a trilogy, I think it, it was a nice bow tie. In the end of the, and here's the thing that that uh, Nolan never really capped it, like because at the end of the movie, Batman basically saves the city, blah 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 blah, and kind of uh, explodes, but you don't know. And then they they drop because they drop kind of hints like. Oh yeah, the machine was fixed, and Bruce Wayne may have survived. And then there's like a sequence, at like a montage at the end, where like you know Michael Caine sees uh, Bruce Wayne with with Catwoman in Italy having tea, and you're like, is that a dream? Because obviously this is coming off freaking Inception, you're like, is that a dream or is that is that real? Right? So Nolan kind of teases at you, but never really fucking. And I, you know what, I like films like that because it it, it really reflects uh, your own. Uh, personal, um, your own personal uh, uh, optimism, right? You know, if you're uh, if you're like a uh, realistic, you'd be like, oh no, he died in the explosion, because you know explosions that big, it's a nuclear bomb. There's no way he survived. But then part of you's like, you know, the optimist is like, he's Batman. He's the smartest fuck and the hardest fuck in the world. You 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 know he had to had contingencies for that, and he probably survived and went off. And rode into the sunset with Catwoman and drank tea in Italy, you know. So, so there, there's a bit of that. But yeah, I mean, The Dark Knight Rises. It, IMBD gave it an eight point four. Uh, it's also and then in the box office, it made more than The Dark Knight, obviously because of the anticipation. I do believe that The Dark Knight is better than The Dark Knight Rises. But box office, it is uh, Nolan's highest earning film with one one point eight billion, I believe. So it's a one zero eight one zero four one two eight seven billion dollars. You know, uh, Wars didn't it didn't win. It wasn't as critically acclaimed as The Dark Knight. It did win, I think, AFI American Film Institute Movie of the Year. But other than that, like I said, I think because the it's very hard to to, to follow up The Dark Knight because especially with Heath Ledger gone and obviously with the with the performances. To strike that kind of, you know, thunder again, it's it's rare, right? But I think, like I said, in the in the trilogy, it really it, it it's a nice bow tie, and Nolan did the best what what he had. The only thing is, again, I think Nolan also developed this uh, thing where he started having the music play over people's uh, talking, which uh, later on I'll talk about because in Tenet it kind of caught up, but like. Yeah, the the dialogue was a little eh, like a little 
clouded. But yeah, overall, I mean, in terms of yeah, the most the most fiscally successful movie he's had, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. You know, now uh, his next movie uh, is probably I I believe it's his most emotionally emotionally uh, tolling or his most emotional movie, uh, Interstellar. Interstellar in 2014 with good old boy Matthew McConaughey as a, as a so ba- basically the world is uh, it, it takes place near Earth's ends of end of days when the only thing they can grow is corn and all that stuff and the Earth is dying and the only way to save Earth is to find another home for humans right and Matthew McConaughey is just the last think of him as the last space cowboy he's the last space cowboy. And his daughter is uh, is is a smart as, as hell fuck. Eventually gets played by uh, Jessica Chastain in, in, in later years. But the movie basically deals with um, Matthew McConaughey uh, going into space, trying to find a new home uh, for 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 the rest of us humans. But emotions get played into it because you know you know uh, the the way the way Nolan builds it, and I guess he obviously went to NASA and to space and probably talk to neil degrasse tyson but basically he was you know like if you go into a black hole in, and in space and involving gravity time is not linear right and they, they nasa's proven this i don't know how because i'm not a scientist but 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 uh basically you know if if if, if someone was able to leave earth at the speed of light or go through a black hole by the time ta- by the time they came back they would be maybe the same age but I might have aged, you know, 20, 30 years, right? So there's that whole thing. And then throughout the movie, that emotional aspect of that, because Matthew McConaughey is trying to get back to his kid, his daughter. He's trying to get back to his kid, you know, that he loves. So, you know, he's trying to get, he bas- he's basically trying to fucking, you know, rush a space discovery program because he wants to get back to see his kid who he loves, you know? And when he has, you know, runs into incidents where like, they go on this water planet and they end up losing eight years of their lives because of a dumb mistake. Uh, you know, it, it gets emotional, right? You know, cause he comes back and then, you know, watches a video message of his daughter who's now eight years older, right? Or his kid that's eight years old. And then again, time goes by and then, you know, he, family's dying and all that shit. Right. So it's a very emotionally riveting fucking movie, you know, cause you know, earth people at earth and then, you know, his own personal problems, um, and, and the time space thing, the time space thing does get confusing. It, it did take a couple of times for me to understand shit about how, you know, where the, uh, where the, uh, what's it called? Cause in the movie, like he gets contacted by like these others and then you soon find out that we're the others, but like basically, basically think of it as like this, uh, if we got contacted by aliens who just have way better technology and like can go through more interdimensions, we would think they're aliens, but really they're just us, but way more advanced. It's almost like if we went back in time to a caveman and showed him like porn, we'd be fucking like, we'd be magicians. I would be, if I went back, if I went back to like medieval Europe or the dark ages, cause dark ages, I heard there was nothing. And I just showed them, like unlimited porn, the ability of what porn was, you know, I would be, I, I, I'd be the fucking king of the world. Cause I would somehow, I would somehow, uh, 
use that that ability to like gain power over people, right? I'd be like, hey, listen, do you want to see my porn? Well, guess what? Uh, you're gonna have to follow my rules. You're gonna have to send me food, whatever food you have, uh, wenches, whatever was it, whatever was happening into the dark ages, you know. And and I, I know they also got into the. I'd be very. I wouldn't show those fucking religious fucks back in the day about porn. Like, uh, what do you call? I think they called them the druids. No, not druids. I think they were just called like the, they were regular priests, but they were calling everybody heretics. And I think if I showed people porn, they'd try and call me a heretic, but then I'd use my porn army to fuck those people up and take it over. Right. I, that, that would be my crusade. I would, I would have, I would be a porn crusader. I, you know, take over Jerusalem with my porn army. You know, you take over Jerusalem, you get access to free porn. Right. And that's my, uh, that was my, that, that's my thing. But anyways, back to interstellar, the time the space time movie. Uh, it was nominated for five Oscars and it ended up winning one for visual effects. Uh, again, the movie does take its space and it's it's definitely one of the be- better. F- I don't know if it's the best space movie, you know, because I'd have to do research on that, but it's definitely up there. Anyways, his next movie is one that is a bit more back to Earth. Uh, takes place in, I think it was World, World War I. Sure. Anyways, the movie was called Dunkirk. In 2017, um, and the bo- the movie. So this movie again, it was written by it was it wasn't by ha- I think Hans Zimmer was not in it. Um, yeah, I think Hans Zimmer wasn't able to do the film, or was he? Was he allowed to do this one? I'm not too sure. I'd have to double check. But long story short, it it, ta- it takes place in Dun. Uh, the movie takes place about Dunkirk, and what happened? It's based on reality. What happened was, uh, I think it was World War II, the, the, the British and the French were pushed uh, basically to the edge of, the, uh, of France, and they needed to get back home to England, but they didn't have enough boats. So the whole time, everyone is just at the beach struggling to get back home. So they would, uh, England ended up sending like personal private boats just to get their men back home, right? So, and now the, uh, you know, and, and uh, the place takes it's kind of broken into three points, right? It's from the point of view of a single soldier who's just trying to get back home. Uh, And I think that movie, like, like it also deals with time in that aspect. Like it, it it shows that soldier's uh, story, like um, an hour. No, no, his, his, his story takes place within a a week, within a week uh, time span. Right. And then I believe you also had, uh, yeah, you also had a, a a story of like a boat, a, a personal guy, like a boat, and his son basically scooping up the survivors, and his story takes places within a day, I believe. His his story takes place within a day, so he goes to Dunkirk, scoops the kids up, and then comes back, right? And then you have a, a an airplane, air 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 fight, uh, played by Christopher uh, by Tom Hardy, as a pilot again wearing a mask and barely legend uh audible um his story takes place only about an hour into that grand scheme so yeah it's broken down with a week a day an hour right and that's where i think it, it really showcases nolan's ability to make an act like i mean because look look there's been a tons of, of of war movies you know and it's always like you know a battle and all that stuff there there's kind of a formula to it but 
And and in all reality, the Dunkirk story is, I mean, in the grand scheme of stories, they're not really. It's not like they're killed, like they're oh, they're going after Hitler or whatever. It's basically just these men need to get off the fucking island, right? It's not a very compelling, you know, in in the grand scheme of all the world's war stories, it's not a compelling. It's like these guys need to go off. They don't have access, but the way, and then this is where I think it's really ex- exposed Nolan's ability to make a story amazing is that he creates tension by by telling you these very different points of view and telling you these stories and then eventually combining them near the end so that you're like like there's a lot of tension there's a lot of there's a lot of time where you're like oh fuck like like if if he doesn't do this thing at this time and no and then near the end like you know characters cross and interline with each other and all that stuff and it's a very again very complex film but again it, it it's a very simple and basic story of these guys just need to get off the fucking Get get out of France and back to England, but presented in Nolan's uh, specific skills, it just goes to show that you know he's got he's got mad skills. So, anyways, the IMBD rating is uh, seven point nine, right? And the box office it ended up doing twenty six uh, million or twenty six uh, twenty seven twenty seven million dollars worldwide. Uh, Oscars it ended up getting eight Oscars, and he had, the film ended up winning. Uh, Three, uh, three wins. So it ended up getting best film editing, best sound editing, and best sound mixing. Don't know the difference between edit uh, and mixing. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, Nolan got some critical acclaim. You know. Uh, so yeah, Dunkirk, and then uh, this year, twenty twenty, recently, last week, uh, Nolan released his film Tenant. Uh, the uh, just off the bat, his film got eight point four. Just to give you a grand scheme of thing, box office I, I can't apply yet, and the awards because again it just came out. Um, the only thing I can say about Tenant, without doing any spoilers, is that it deals with a technology of forward time and reverse time, and. The main character's name is called Protagonist. Not even a name. It's called Protagonist. Played by, uh, I think it was Jonathan Washington, who's the son of Denzel Washington. And he's also joined by uh, an agent kind of spook, Robert Pattinson. Right? And I think, yeah, Michael Caine does make an appearance as well. It's also, the the music is done by... um, I forget. It's it's, it's the guy who ended up uh, doing, like, the Creed movies. Ludwig something I forget what his name is but the, the this is the first film with again with, with without Hans Zimmer and also uh yeah it's a it's, it's a different film and it deals with those those subject of forward time and reverse time uh and it, it now here's the thing there's a lot of great I I thought it had a lot of great action sequences you know because of things getting built up and then destroyed and all that stuff but the overall, I, I, I personally did like his film. It was so complicated, but I felt like because of the music, because here's the thing. And I think he developed the, the, the problem back in Dark Knight Rises. He would play music over a person's dialogue. So when somebody is talking and trying to explain a certain subject, it was almost getting drowned out by by music. So when I'm trying to like understand why this is happening or whatever, 
Meanwhile, it's like, dun, 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 I'm like, hold on, wait, what, 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 what's going on now? Obviously, I probably need to watch it a couple more times, and then I'll probably be able to tell you what the actual movie is about. But as it stands, um, yeah, Tenant is just, it's just a very complex, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a well visually and performance wise and action wise, it's a great film. Right. But I just think that when it comes to execution on some of the things and explanation of his film, it's also his most, I would say even more than Memento, because Memento takes a little bit of time. I would say it's, it is his most uh, hard to understand film. It's his most, it's his most, even more so than Inception and Interstellar. This one actually, you you because with Inception you understand. Oh yeah, this guy has the ability to go into dreams. In Interstellar you understand. Oh yeah, he goes into space. Space affects time. With this one, you're kind of like, wait, wait, wait. There's a there's a thing that makes time move forward and time back. And then yeah, the film is just fucking. It's a mind fuck. But it's gr- again, it's only only a film that can be carried out and executed by a guy like Christopher Nolan. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, anyways, of all the films that I talked about, there's only going to be one that is considered the best, you know, of, of all the Nolan films. And like I said, you have to take into account the ratings, the box office success. Okay, look, just to just to give you a bit of a of, of where things stand. I mean, in, in, uh, when it comes to IMBD score, The Dark Knight took the highest um, score, a nine out of ten. When it comes to box office success, The Dark Knight Rises takes a uh, Takes takes the cake with uh, the most money earned, uh, and when it comes to actual critical acclaim and awards, <coughs> excuse me, um, it would actually be Inception. Inception uh, had had the most awards. It got, uh, yeah, what do you call it? Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Inception, and Dunkirk all got eight nominations, but uh, only only uh, Inception won four. So that being said. When it comes to uh, Christopher Nolan's best film, so a movie that not only has critical success, but financial success as well, and the awards, but I think more importantly, when it comes to a film that showcases Christopher Nolan's skill as a director, and you could even say as a writer, but just as a skill as a director of creating a world, presenting it in a very beautiful presentation and showcasing his skills as a director i would say that the best christopher nolan film is inception it is inception it you know look i'll be honest when it came to like the the options of his best movies i was i was thinking you know i mean memento obviously early on right you know it, it it showed who nolan was Right, but I think I think obviously the grand scale of his other movies, you know, if you if you watch those first and then go back, you'll almost be like, oh, that's an indie film, which kind of was, but you know, Memento was definitely up there. And then I thought, obviously, everyone, I think the fanboy base is gonna say Dark Knight because I mean the highest score, Heath Ledger winning a uh, best performance. But see, that's the thing. I think you know that that's a different. I think that's a different thing when it you know it was written by David S. Goyer. And I think what Nolan did, obviously, of creating a world, a Nolan verse Batman, he did that right. But you know, I, I think, like I said, his skills 
and obviously, you know, uh, I think in an, another film like Dunkirk, uh, showcasing that he has the ability to take an average story and like make it very interesting, right? That's another good showcase. But I think where he got everything right, where he was able to create a world that of his own and present it in a way that was cl- clever and complex, but also understandable to 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 see. I think Inception is his best film. You know, it, 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 I mean, critically wise, I mean, yeah, it's not the most or whatever, but that's the thing. Everything came together. You know, it had a great score, did it's a commercial success, tons of awards, and I think it's the best uh, film to really expose his talent as a director. So, anyways, that's that that that's how that's how this podcast is done. You know, you 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 may have saw it coming, maybe you didn't, but uh, yeah, you got to let me know. Let me know if if I got it right, and if I didn't, then I'm gonna inception you and make you hate yourself. You know. So, anyways, that's the best things in life podcast. I've been Kevin Homoki. Uh, if you made it this far, please it would help me a lot if you could just you know subscribe, like. And then even share this thing, you know, copy and paste or just hit the share button wherever you see this thing, right? Word of mouth. Be like, hey, man, you want to hear a podcast where this guy talks in his Mustang about like, you know, stuff that is like the best so that like I can live my best life without like, you know, doing the research myself. You know, do you you want a podcast like that? Then you just you just send them the link to where you found this thing, you know. Like, comment, subscribe. Best Things in Life podcast. I've been Kevin Amoki, and that's the best Christopher Nolan film. Let me know what you think. Thank you, and good night, and have sweet dreams, and hopefully you'll be inceptioned. Bye-bye.